Thank you uh, so much. Victory Church, always uh, we have celebrated Mother's Day. Now, let me just tell you, I get, uh, if I say all women, uh, I'll get somebody who will say, well, it is Mother's Day. You know, and you get, when you stand up here, as many times a year that I stand here, I know that any and everything that I say, I'm going to get shot at sometime. No, all the time. Uh, so already after the first service, got shot at during the second service. So here's what you do. If you're going to be a person who declares the gospel, you just say, hey, this is what God's saying to me. I got to put that in my own, uh, my own head, and I'm going to say it. Hopefully, it brings blessing to you. If it doesn't, I don't want to offend anybody on purpose. I've, I've, I started to say I've never offended anybody on purpose, but I cannot say that because there are a few who got on my last nerve. And, uh, but anyway, Jesus has forgiven me, and maybe one day I can forget it. But nonetheless, uh, I just want you to know that all women are of great value here at Victory Church. Whether you're a mom or non-mom, whether you're a young woman, an older woman, uh, whatever the case, I just believe, we believe at Victory Church, every woman is important. Now, I came, I've shared this story before, but it is a salient story in my one, two, three, third pastorate. I had a new convert that came in the church, and she was a, a, a single gal and had been for a long time. My office uh, at that church was right on the hallway. If you opened the door, uh, you were in my office, right off the hallway. I was uh, there, and the door was cracked, and she just took her foot and, and knocked it open. I thought, this is a strange situation. Uh, at any rate, she said, uh, I have a bone to pick with you. I barely knew the woman, you know. And she said, why, why do you mention some of us are not moms? We are single and, or, or divorced and, and never had any children, and you were talking about moms. And I am deeply offended about that. Now, let me just tell you how I feel about that, okay? So, you know, my, I wasn't her problem. <laughs> she had other problems. But my problem was that problem right then. And then it dawned on me, be broader than just mothers. So, moms, we appreciate you. But we also want you to know every lady in this church, every woman, we appreciate you as well. Amen? So we want to cover every single base. Today's message uh, is just a little bit different. I'm going to give you some historical background as we not only talk about moms, but we're going to talk about women because Jesus was born into a culture that was a very, very difficult culture. In his day, there was a major disrespect of the female gender. I mean, and I'm going to share with you how deep that is. Throughout his ministry, when he grew up as a boy and then became, as we know, a teacher, it wasn't long before he noticed the culture in which he was in. And being the Son of God, he took it upon himself, which is the will of the Father, to say, women cannot remain in disrespect. They cannot remain in the minds of men in the culture, in the Roman culture in that day, in the Judeo culture or the Jewish culture in that day. There has to be a change because women were considered to be worthless. Late, female babies, female babies, my friend, unless you were the firstborn female of that family, you were put aside, disregarded, and forgotten, and no one, and you died of malnutrition 
or the elements or whatever the case. And that was true. It was also true of male children that were born that if in fact they were deformed in some way, same treatment, just forgot about. And as a result of that, we know that they were not given an education. They were not, they were counted as property. They belonged to the father to do what he said. They were belonged when they got married to the husband in whatever regard. And that was not God's highest calling for female women, for females, period, for babies, little girls. Jesus, as you remember, think about how many times he talked about respecting children. He talked about respecting women. And I'm going to share that with you as we move further. Here's what he said, the highest calling of a woman or the highest calling of a male is this. For women, it's greater than giving birth to a child. It's greater than being a sir. It's great. Here's what it is. He said to find out this, that everybody was created in the image of God, male and female, and that every person, their highest calling is to do the will of the Father. To do the will of the Father. If you think about that, my highest calling is to do the will of the Father. If I become a mother, it's still to do the will of the Father. If I get married, to do the will of the Father. If I never marry, to do the will of the Father. If it's a widow, to do the will of the Father. And that's what Jesus was endeavoring to teach and impact the lives that are there. My mother was in the first service, and uh, so I told her a happy birthday. She's a happy mom's day. She's 88. I talked with her early this morning, took her out to dinner on Friday night, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Shared affection and affirmed her because to put up with a firstborn like me had to be pure pleasure. <laughs> That's not where some of you thought I was going to go, is it? No, you know what to think and you're probably right. The Bible says we're to honor our father and our mother. And Jesus wanted to be certain that we understood what the purpose was for all of us to do the will of the Heavenly Father. For every woman in this room, if you knew the counseling that we did, if you knew the situations that we faced, more women are beat down in this culture in which we live today, abused and neglected and overlooked and treated like property more than any other time in the history of our culture. And that's why you see so much rebellion today, particularly among women. They're saying, hey, we deserve our place. You forget us. You overlook us, but we will not be silent anymore. Our job, our responsibility, our calling is to do the will of the Heavenly Father, whether we're male or female. And women, you ladies, you're not judged by what you see in the mirror. You're not judged by the the wrinkles that you might see that you cover up with, with all the stuff. You're not judged by the fact that you look at the scales and you think, oh, Lord, there's two more pounds. Let me tell you, you're not judged by that. You're not judged by the number of heads that you can turn when you walk in the room. You're not judged by your titles. You're not judged by your success. You're not judged by your education. You, my friend, are judged by one thing. You were created and made in the image of our Heavenly Father. That is the standard of judgment for all of us. Every bit of it. History is not complimentary. In the culture in that day, in the Roman world, there was an enormous shortage of women. Why? There was about 140 men to every 100 women. 
Well, why is that? Because if you were other than the firstborn woman, you just were le- you're left. You were not cared for. You were not nursed. You were just pushed aside. And one of the historians said, hey, here's the unfortunate situation. It was called the law of Romulus. It required the father to raise all male children other than the firstborn of the female. In a city in Delphi, here's what it said. The historian said, out of 600 known families, only six of them raised more than one daughter. That's what the historians found in that city in the historical evidence there. 600 families, only six of them raised more than one daughter. That had to change. Jesus saw that. He's the world changer. He is the great teacher. It adversely affected his heart and it should adversely affect us. The movement started and it was started out of the teachings of Jesus Christ. It was the Christian movement. Those that call themselves Christian that said it's not male and female, but it is together created in the image of Almighty God. And Jesus taught and elevated the position of women higher than ever known to man. He taught us how to value women, how to treat children, how to honor them, how to honor your mother. In Athens, in Athens, you received no education if you're a woman, and that was the culture, no matter what your IQ. The property was of a male. Men owned you. You were not able to walk with a man. You had to walk behind a man. You were not able to eat at the same table. You had to eat somewhere else in the kitchen. You were not allowed to go outside unless you had a purpose. You were to stay inside. And that was the culture in which women lived in that day until Jesus arrived. And his teaching began to gain traction And he began to tell culture what was really, really right. As he was teaching this in Luke 11, 27, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. In other words, where did you come from? Your message and your teaching is different than anything else we have ever heard. And so the lady said, blessed is the woman who gave birth to you and who nursed you. She said, Jesus could have responded, well, my mom was the best mom. You're right. The best mom ever. And she was a virgin. Did you know that? That's not how he answered. Here's how he answered that woman. He said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. In other words, what he was saying, lady, you're wrong. You're giving the credit to me. You're giving the credit to my mother. Let me tell you where the credit goes. The credit is this. The highest calling of a woman is not to bear children, though a noble calling. That's not the ultimate calling. If you have children, wonderful. If you do not have children, wonderful. He said your highest calling is that you were made in the image of God. Get that now. Look at yourself. Made in the image of an immaculate God. And your highest calling is to honor the one who created you in his image. That is your highest calling. Think about it. So it doesn't matter how you look or how good you look, though I'm thankful for all of you women. 
I'm telling you what, you keep buying all those good-looking products that you buy, you keep doing it. And it wouldn't hurt a few men once in a while. Are you all with me? You ladies say amen. I know you're out there. Amen. Jesus is saying, hey, the calling is there. Now, he gives an illustration, and it's found in Luke's gospel there in uh, chapter 10. And though we run over that illustration, it's the Mary and the, what was her name? Uh, Mary and Martha, thank you. I'm just checking. Mary and Martha. Now, here was the story. Martha represented the culture in which Jesus lived. What were women supposed to do? Clean up, sweep, fix the meals, do all of that stuff, sew up the robes, take the dirty sandals and repair them. That was her job. So what's Martha doing? She's got a special guest there, and she's doing all of that. The special guest is Jesus, some of his teammates. Martha's really busy. Where's Mary? Where's Mary? Come on, y'all help me out. She's where? She's at the feet of Jesus. So what does Martha do? Martha does what sometimes sisters often do. She went over and she spoke to Jesus about it. And she gave a negative comment. And Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 41, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it is it will not be taken away from her. What did she just say? There, Martha, there is a higher calling than what you're doing and what culture expects you to do, though we know that it is necessary. What was Mary doing at the feet of Jesus? You remember in Acts 22, or you may not remember. Paul said, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. I sat because I considered him a scholar. I considered him the brightest rabbi of our day. And I sat at his feet. Why? Symbolizing I chose to become a disciple of this great teacher. You can read over that and overlook the fact that Mary, though there anointing Jesus, was at his feet. And Jesus is saying what Mary is doing, she is choosing to be a disciple, to learn of me, to take my teaching and use it. So Martha, though what you're doing is important, Mary's doing the most important thing because she's saying, I desire to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not only is it important, everybody, you ladies, to, to accept the fact that we're born in the image of God and that our highest calling is to do the will of the Heavenly Father. That is to receive Him as Lord and Savior. But then it's extremely important for all of us and all of the women to say, I want to learn more about what it means to serve Jesus. I want to learn more to have a prayer life. I want to learn more to know what it means to be in the help meet. 
I want to learn more what it means to be the disciple that encourages a husband and, and go on and on and on. I want to be a godly mama. I want to be a, a lady that is respected. I want to be a Proverbs 31, but I will only learn that, not in another textbook, but I'll only learn that at the feet of Jesus Christ. You see, that's important. That marriage, that connection with man and woman is important. Well, old Max and Esther, she finally got him to go to a marriage encounter, a marriage retreat. It was a marriage weekend. And old Max is there. He's looking around, see, seeing what he can see. And Esther's his wife. And the teacher there, of course, says, you know what? It's, um, it's essential that husbands and wives know things that are important to each other. That, sir, if you've been married, it's important that you know what's important to your wife. And that, ladies, you know what's important uh, to your husband, you know, and that's important. And he went on and he said to the men, now, gentlemen, can you tell, can you tell me right now what your wife's favorite, what's your wife's favorite flower What's your favorite flower? And old Max leaned over and whispered as he put his hand on Esther's knee. And he whispered, I know yours. She looked at him. He said, it's gold medal all purpose. Missed it completely. What does he say again? You're not worthy of flower. I see you work with flower all the time. That's your favorite flower. Gold medal all purpose. Wow, it's amazing. You say, that's a little bit funny. That man's in trouble. You know what? More trouble than he knows. More trouble... It's important to understand that. He's inviting women, Jesus is saying, to be his disciples. Why? Because look around. Influence often falls on the shoulder in a greater way among women. Are you all with me? But here's another point. Jesus is elevating women. They're discounted. They're not respected. They're abused. They can't even walk. What kind of deal is that? The longest conversation that Jesus had in the Bible. Do you know who it was with? It was with the Samaritan woman. The longest conversation. Nobody else here knew that other than Josh over here. But the longest is with a woman. And it's the Samaritan woman. It's recorded there in the scripture we know in John the fourth chapter. Jesus goes to the well, and he needs a drink. His disciples, of course, are not with him initially. And, of course, a Samaritan woman comes up, and he is thirsty and needs some water. And she, she gets water, and he talks to her. And as he's talking to her, he, uh, he told her her situation. Thank you for the water. But he said, let me just share with you that I know that you've had five husbands, 
and that you're now living with a man with whom you're not married. Wow, that's significant. How did you, how did you know that? You read that story and you think, no big deal, been married five times, living with a guy now, what's the point? Jesus is saying to her, I know that you're sexually immoral. I know that you're unfaithful. And I want you to know that your life is one that has no clear path to a better future. You're in big trouble, and the mess you're in now is the kind of mess that you're going to stay in. Well, his disciples walked up. They recognized that she is a Samaritan woman. They began to talk about what in the world is Jesus doing talking to a Samaritan woman by himself at the well? What are you doing, Jesus? What are you doing talking to her? Jesus said, just pipe down. Many of her marriages may have ended in divorce, but a woman couldn't necessarily divorce a man. It was all in the control of the male. If, in fact, a woman was seduced and and had adultery, that husband was required to get rid of her, throw her on the heap over there, and nobody else will want her. That was the way it was. When Jesus is teaching or talking to that Samaritan, the disciples know what the culture is, and they want to know what's going on. We know this lady right here is not a great lady. And so we understand that she had to get the water, which suggested to Jesus she was in a family that she was not married to, and that they did not have enough money to have a servant to come get the water. And Jesus soon recognized, you are the lowest person in that family. You're a concubine, or you have entered into the relationship in which this man says, I want a second wife because you're the poorest of the poor. You have no other options, and you'll do whatever I say because you have no hope for your future. And so that's where she finds herself. And culture is unkind. The church often is unkind to far too many people. You've been married how many times? You were a prostitute? You stay away from my husband. Why are you so insecure? And Jesus is saying to us, and is saying to his disciples, I know her better than she knows herself. Listen, Samaritan woman, you may have scars. And you may have a track record that is nasty and ungodly. But here's what I want you to know. You're made in the image of God. And I came to give life. And though you have given me water, the water that I'll give you is everlasting water. And I will make a way for you when culture will beat you down and abuse you. Everybody with me? He's saying that the longest conversation 
was to this Samaritan's woman. He says, you matter to me. You matter to God. Well, here's something else that we do often. You see, in Jesus' day and in our day today, we have a tendency to define women by their, by, and their identities, by who they're married to or their education. Or, and we do that to almost anyone. I'm reminded of the story of the CEO. He and his wife were traveling by vehicle and stopped at a service station. How many, how many of you know what a service station is? See, so many of you that are young, there used to be years ago, gas stations, not 7-Elevens, not Wawa's, not Sunoco. It was service station. They usually only had a couple pumps. They had a person there that usually owned the station. He'd come out. He'd say, what do you want? And you would say, I want uh, Ethel. That's not a woman. <laughs> I want Ethel. That'd be, I guess, high test gas. And so, in fact, that person would take, fill your car up, wash your windshield, check your oil, and never, you never tip that person and fill the tank up, of course, take the money, and you'd be on your way. So this CEO and his wife pulled up to that kind of station, service station, and he goes in, and his wife looks at the attendant that's, that's filling the car up with gas, and she recognizes him. She gets out, and they're talking as if they'd known one another, and in reality, they did. And they were having a good old time, and the old good husband CEO came out and stood there and then went on around, and he's a little curious why she's talking so much to this guy. And she got in the car, and he said, what was up with that? Why, why are you doing all that talking, et cetera? She said, well, he said, did you know him? And he said, I did. I knew him. And uh, he said, well, how do you know him? She said, well, hey, we, we used to date in high school. So we dated for the whole senior class year. He said, you did? And he goes on down the road another five miles, and then he says, hey, I bet I, I, bet I know what you're thinking now. She said, is that right? He said, yeah, I bet I bet you're thinking, wow, you're glad you married me, a CEO of a big company, rather than marrying him who's nothing more than a service station attendant, aren't you? She says, no, that's not what I'm thinking. She said, what I'm thinking, if I'd have married him, he would have been the CEO and you'd be the service station attendant. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Big difference. What would be wrong with her being the CEO? Somebody talk to me. Hello? What about her running the company? Amen? What about her reaching that level with her prowess and ability to say, hey, you better be glad you married me, buddy. Hello? I'm not going to, well, anyway, I don't even go there. I don't want to meddle. Thank you, Jesus. Let me be on that. But as Jesus' teaching grew, the disciples began to become more and more aware of the value of Jesus' teaching about children and about women. And they start traveling from town to town. This is the 12. 
And some of the women, women were not allowed to travel with men. I told you a moment ago, they were not allowed outside of the house without purpose. And some women were traveling with them. Mary called Magdalene. Joanna, who was the wife of Cusa, was the manager of Herod's household. And Susanna and many others, the Bible says. And in Luke 8, verses 1 through 3, it says, These women traveling with Jesus were helping to support them out of their own means. In other words, they said, hey, if somebody will give us a little room, if someone will recognize us, they'll find out how talented we are. If someone will give us a little space, they'll find out we've got a high IQ. If they'll give us a little breathing room, they'll sh we'll show them we know how to lead, that we know how to turn a buck, that we know how to do things that any man can do if you just give us a chance. And Jesus said, I'm giving every woman ever created in the image of God, I'm giving you the opportunity to be you according to God's will and God's plan. Aren't you glad he did, my friend? <coughs> That's right. You don't have to clap. It's not in you. Don't do it. But some of you men should have been tearing the house down right then. Jesus also taught about adultery. He said there's a double standard. He said men, is not just standard, it's a public law. Men could go out and do anything they wanted sexually, and it was okay. A woman could do it. And she, my friend, was chastised and kicked to the curb. And Caesar Augustus ruled that adultery was a public offense only in women, that it's against the law. But you men, you just have slave girls. You have concubines. You have prostitutes. Bring them on in. They, they're, and some of the masters rented their slave girls out for that purpose. But, oh, a woman... She was penalized for that kind of behavior. And Jesus said, hey, not only should women pay respect and understand the value of sexuality and, and sexual relation, but you men should. And that's why he taught. That's why he taught marriage fidelity, that you're to have be the husband of one wife. How many understand that? A husband of one wife, meaning you're the husband. You don't, you don't have two wives in the house. God forbid. Call Grady Judd. Because there's going to be a shooting somewhere. But he said to the men, he said to the ladies, gentlemen, it's, you don't get those advantages to do what you want to in the flesh. Because here it is, sir, you were made in the image of God. Madam, you were made in the image of God. And when the both of you get married, you take the two images of God and bring them together and they become one flesh. Are you listening to me? They become one flesh. No longer male, no longer female, but one flesh. Male functioning in that role, female functioning in that role. Everybody understand what I'm saying? It was Jesus who taught that and said, no longer do we have this kind of culture. Here's something else that you may not have understood, that in all four Gospels, 
the ones who bore witness of Jesus' resurrection were women, and all four. It's recorded all four Gospels that the women were the ones who were first at the scene of the resurrection. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus appeared and resurrected, and he said greetings to them, and then he said, go share it with the men. Tell the disciples. And we know that, in fact, they did go tell the disciples. And, of course, it was Celsus there in a century or two after Jesus was resurrected that tried to discredit the resurrection and said, and I quote, the resurrection rests on the tales of historical females. Wow. And it was Caesar who said, or Josephus who wrote, let not the testimony of women be admitted because they are not worthy to be testifying in any court. The problem is when they tried to discredit it, it only bought proper credit to the women. In Luke 24, verse 9, when they, the women, came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, the disciples that are left, and to all the others. Listen now, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Oh, that's just a bunch of women. You don't count. So if you say the resurrection, we don't put any worth in what you say. Can you imagine how frustrated those women must have been? We saw him. We know he's not in the tomb. He told us to go tell you, big shot. And we get there and you choose not to believe us. And what happened when Jesus appeared to the twelve? said, here I am. Thomas wasn't there, resurrected. What do you think it must have been like when the women met the disciples for the first time and the disciples were so full of pride they wouldn't dare say what you ladies said is true. What they said is, we're giving your word, Jesus has risen. And you know what they would have had the right to say? We knew that and we told you so but you didn't believe us. You see, there are no big I's and little U's. There are no kingdoms that's bigger than any other kingdom. We're all at the feet of Jesus Christ. The household of origin. When a woman, you remember the marriages that you do and are you giving your hand in marriage? Would you please join right hands, etc.? That's called mammoths, manus. It's in which a gal would give her hand to a person who was pursuing her in marriage. And her dad would give that hand to him, which meant when she gave her hand, she became his property. She came underneath his authority. She worshiped his God, etc. 
if she chose not to give her hand, her father still had control of her. Her hand still was with her father. You talk about marital conflict. That'd be big. Giving of the hand. This again is what Jesus is talking about when we use the term she gave her hand. Here's what it says. She gave her hand not to be ruled by him, not from his feet that she might be trampled by him, but from his side. Am I talking up a storm here? From his side that she might own and command his love. Somebody say amen. That from that side we become partners together in life. Amen? Mom and dads, be partners in discipline. Are you listening to me? This is a little side note. Don't, don't, daddy, don't you discipline. And then mama, you grab them up and say, daddy didn't mean it. Hello, be together on your discipline. Figure it out before you have to discipline the child. Am I talking to somebody? You know what you're going to do? That child will grow up not understanding what authority is and then learn as a teenager and a young adult, I can sidestep true authority. So Jesus is continuing to teach, and he's lifting up the value of women. He says, also, let me talk to you about widows. If you're a widow and you didn't get married within two years, you are fined. Why? Because you're a drag on society. You should get out there where the men are. There are more men than women, and you need to find your husband. That husband will take care of you. Jesus on the cross corrects that. Jesus' mother was at the crucifixion site. She was a widow. Everybody knows that. And Jesus, in one of his last dying acts, says to his friend, Behold your mother. His brother, behold your mother. In other words, I'm leaving, but you take care of mom. In other words, she may not get married in two years. You take care of her. She may not have the money to pay a fine. You take care of her. And it was in that teaching that Jesus said to the church, don't you dare overlook the widow women in the church. Somebody say amen. amen. Yesterday we had an event led by Linda Stamps and many of the ladies in the church who are widows came. And I mean, they do it up right. They have parties, they have props, they have gifts, they have it all. Why? Because we want to say to every widow woman who is a legitimate part of Victory Church, you matter to God and you matter to us. Victory Church, when we first started, going on 30 years ago, when we started, there were several women who were widows and lost every dime that they had. They could not buy groceries. They could not care for health care or have health care. And they're about to be booted from the place in which they were living. There were several of them, about 100, five or six. 
and our leadership, as I stated to them, listen, they are prized possessions of God. And I can tell you that Victory Church, almost 30 years ago, we fed them, we bought their groceries, we housed them, we cared for them. We made certain that every need they had happened to be met. Are you listening to me? Because we felt like it was Jesus saying, behold, your mother, and we cared for them. All of them are dead now, but thank God we have that testimony that said we carried through what Jesus was talking about in the Scripture. And we did it. By the grace of God. So listen, we have a bunch of women here. Aren't you glad that women are prettier than men? I'd be afraid of a man who wanted to be prettier than a woman. Did I just say that? Are you with me? Ladies, listen. When you look in the mirror, look at yourself as an image and a creation of Almighty God. When you look at your body, celebrate it. Are you listening to me? Celebrate it. It's you. You say, well, I really don't like it. Don't dislike your body. Enjoy it. That's why they have Spanx. <laughs> I'm getting deeper. I might as well go ahead and get where I will never get out. <laughs> when you look at those kids, you clean them up, you make lunches or not, let me tell you, Every single one of them, no matter how old they get, will, all, will only always have one mama, and it's you. Celebrate that. And if there's a man who pushes you down, criticizes you, rejects you, talks down to you, and does it repeatedly, get some help. Get some counseling and ask for prayer because your life doesn't have to be lived that way. Amen. Are you with me? By the grace of God. <clears throat> Would you stand? Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your wisdom and thank you for all the ladies in our church. Thank you for those listening online. I pray that you would help us today. And Lord, I know that those that are listening online and many in this room right here, something resonated with them. Sometimes we get down on ourselves. Sometimes we feel insecure. Sometimes we feel unwanted. Sometimes we feel unrecognized. Sometimes we feel cheated. Sometimes we feel rejected. Women often stand in the shadow of a husband who might be successful and don't feel like that they're appreciated. May the men remember that you never reach a place of significance without having the backup and the hand of someone 
who held your hand and your arm to get you to that place of significance. Father, we know that we owe a debt that we can never pay to our moms. We owe a debt that we can never pay to the women of this church. We owe a debt to you, Jesus, for all your goodness and mercy. So just in case there's someone here and you're not right with Jesus, I'm going to ask you just to repeat this prayer, everybody together. Can we do that right now? Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus forgive me. I've made a mess of my life, and I need help. I have sinned. I have lied. I've been abusive, and I need forgiveness. So come into my heart. I believe by faith. If I confess my sins, you will forgive me. So, Lord Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I believe. I believe. I was created in your image. I believe you have a purpose for me. I believe that you desire to teach me if I'm willing to learn. So, Lord Jesus, here am I. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We know that God is able, don't we? I pray today that if your mama's alive, you'll endeavor to reach out. I pray today that in some way, your spouse, you'll treat them special. I asked Kim, who was the one singing in the chair a few minutes ago, I said, what are you going to have for lunch? She said, roast. Is that right? She said, thank God for the good old crock pot. She's got two or three kids, right? Kim got two or three kids. Two, got two. Two. Two, okay, got two kids, crock pot. Let me tell you something else. Gentlemen, give your wife a good foot massage this afternoon. Now you now how many believe I'm meddling now? Sure. Matter of fact, if you want to go one step further and help her, clean your closet. Give the garage a good cleaning. It's good to have Grant's wife. My grandson, Grant's wife, over there, God bless you. So good to have you today. Flew in all the way from, Grant is in California. They, uh, they got married. He left the day that she got to the base in North Carolina. And so she just came here. So God bless you. Thank you so much. And Kelly, you look mighty happy. Tim said he fixed you a big meal today. He's going to have sandwiches. That's good. What a way to go. So, amen. If you need prayer, you just slip down. Somebody will be down here and we'll pray for you. Otherwise, let's just give the benediction. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. You, not, you do not fail this special day. Lord, Mother's Day is not just one day. It ought to be every day of the year. A great day to celebrate the women, celebrate the moms, celebrate all women here at Victory Church. And I pray, God, you'll anoint them and give them favor. And then tonight, when we come back with a message, watch your step, buddy. I pray you'll give us blessing. And, Lord, we are going to thank you ahead of time for the rain. Sooner or later, it's got to come. Lord Jesus, we pray for that rain, and we give you honor and glory for it. And every person who loves your mom said amen. Love you, everybody. God bless you. Thank you for being here.